0: Welcome to Heavy Content, the podcast where I watch everything with a fat person in it and tell you just how soul-crushing it might be. It's your host and your fat best friend, Sam, coming at you solo today. I cannot believe we are in episode number two. What? Number two. I hope you're ready for me to be excited About every episode like this, because honestly, I can't believe I got myself to this place. I mean, I am a Capricorn, but I'm also a double Taurus, moon and rising. So, you know, a girl likes to organize and do things and is very driven, but she also likes to lay in bed and pretend she's rich and has a lot of money. But that's all a lie. Anyway, we're on episode number two. But before we even jump into that, I want to touch base. I want to check in about episode number one. So, episode number one premiered two weeks ago on August 22nd, and it was honestly amazing. I have never been so nervous to put something on the internet. As a writer, I'm very used to having my things published and people read them and discuss them, whatever. Putting myself out there with a podcast was a whole new experience. And it gave me such a greater appreciation for other people who podcast, because that is some scary shit. And honestly, I am absolutely floored by how supportive and wonderful everyone has been. And I am really excited to continue on this adventure and see where it takes me and you as the audience and listeners. I have went through some ups and downs with podcasting so far, like audio editing, which is currently my fat best friend of me. It took me 10 hours to edit the first episode. 10 hours. We're not talking 10 minutes. We're not talking 10 seconds. 10 ding, ding, damn hours. Anyway, I learned some things. I grew as a person. I have so much more wisdom. I'm like a grizzled old woman walking down the street, just shaking my wooden walking staff at children, being like, listen here, let me tell you about the podcasting woes. Yeah, it was that bad. I'm praying this one doesn't take me 10 hours, but that episode was also an hour and 10 minutes long, and I aim to have this one at 40 minutes. So, bear with me as I stumble through this on my own, learning what to do, what not to do. Like, lock your cats out of the room. Don't have the fan on. Don't put your drinks on the table while you're recording. Don't touch the microphone stand while you're recording. And, you know, maybe it'll be a bit better. Hey. Before we get into the second episode, we need to talk about this very, very serious thing. Are you ready? Are you comfortable? We have to process together as a community. I need to hold you guys accountable to something. So, you may have noticed that before I released the first episode a couple weeks ago, I put out a poll on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, if you don't follow heavy content in any of those, you need to just walk yourself over to the social media. I'll put the links on the page and follow. But I put out a poll, and it was about Anders Holm, who I called Anders McManays on the first episode. He was the pastor in Mindy Project. He is this white guy that I think is very attractive. I said he looks like a lovable youth pastor, and Lindsay said he looks like nothing. And I put it out there to you all. I put it out there, and I was like, hey, do you think that Anders Holmes looks like a lovable youth pastor, or does he look like literally nothing? And you know what you guys came back with? This is what you came back with. Let me read you some highlights. So, here are some of the highlights from my audience participation question. So, when asked if Anders looks like a lovable youth pastor or literally nothing, one of you said, it's a trick question. It's not a trick question, because this man looks like a lovable youth pastor. And one of you said, youth pastor, not lovable though. Excuse me? Excuse me. Okay. All right. Let's go a little bit deeper into this, why don't we? So on Facebook where I posted this, one of the places I post this, so I shared it onto my personal timeline, and here are some of the deeper responses I got on if Anders' home looks like a lovable youth pastor or literally nothing. So when looking at this question, someone replied, I don't see anyone. Okay. Okay. Someone else replied, nothing for sure. Yep, nothing. 100% nothing. Followed by someone saying, completely forgotten before I typed this, aka nothing, with a reply saying, yep, forgettable. I'd have difficulty differentiating him from countless other people. You all are cold. Cold as ice. Damn, guys. This man looks like a lovable youth pastor, and okay, you think he looks like literally nothing, that's fine, I'm just a little offended, okay? I'm just a little offended. I don't feel seen. One of my personal favorite uh, responses to this was that he looks like a herring connoisseur. Uh, yeah, he actually does. I, yeah, no, he looks like a lovable youth pastor that probably eats herring. I would love to give a special shout out to Matt and Chloe who see me, who see Anders as a lovable youth pastor. Matt said, youth pastor, 1000%. And Chloe said, I heart pastor Casey. So here we are. I am seen by at least two people in this world. The rest of you are so damn cold. All right, now that we have figured that out and I have realized who my real friends are, let's get into episode number two, The Sad Fat High School Girl. Now this episode is brought to you by Back to School, as you can see what the hashtag is all over the promotional image. The promotional image that I took five minutes to make today, so you know I'm real fancy. But this is the Back to School episode, because it's September, it's officially fall. I saw some girl in one of those like big-ass Aritzia scarves that looks like she's just being swallowed by overpriced wool, and I was like, you know what? The seasons have changed. The Vancouverites have spoken. Tiny Lululemon yoga girls are freezing. It's fall. So we're going to talk about the sad, fat high school girl. So curl up with your pumpkin spice lattes, and someone please save Becky from being eaten by her giant Aritzia scarves, and let's get into it. So, what is the trope of the sad, fat high school girl? Well if we just look at the media we're going to talk about today, which is The Duff, aka The Designated Ugly Fat Friend, a movie starring Mae Whitman. We're going to look at Insatiable, and then we're going to look at Degrassi, The Next Generation, and we're going to focus on My Girl Terry. But before we get into it, what is the trope about the sad, fat high school girl? Now, this trope literally haunts my being. It's ingrained in my bones, sketched in the back of my skull. I'm pretty sure I bleed this trope because I was the sad, fat high school girl. The sad, fat high school girl exists to be bullied. She's bullied because she's fat, and her biggest worry in life is that boys aren't going to want to date her. This trope reinforces, at a teenage age, most of these films, most of these TV shows that show a fat high school girl are made for high school-aged girls. They're made for teenagers, and the main kind of takeaway from this character, who is often seen as very frumpy and dumpy, and she's, like, really disheveled, she's wearing, like, really unfashionable clothes, quote-unquote. She's, like, skulking around school. She's sad. She's so depressed. And her main thing is that she's sad because she's fat, and boys don't want to fuck her. And this is something we're telling teenage girls. This is your kind of one of their first introductions to teenage sexuality and desirability politics, and it's just thrown at them in this trope of this like sad fat girl whose main storylines are always about how she can't get a date to the dance, boys don't want to date her, and how she just constantly wants to lose weight. It's in her being. You'll see often the sad fat girl will develop an eating disorder, which isn't ever taken seriously. It's always made into a joke, which again, PSA, eating disorders go horrifically, horrifically undiagnosed in fat people because of stuff like this. She is often seen eating things that we don't just like socially consider healthy. So like all her friends who are always skinny, by the way, you will never see a high school movie or TV show where there is just this like sick, rad, roaming group of fat girls that are just like happy. No, it's always the fat girl surrounded by skinny friends. You will never see her eating things that we consider quote-unquote healthy, but all her friends are like eating an apple and drinking a Dasani, but she's like eating the actual lunch school special, which she should be because she's a teenager and she's like growing and needs fuel. The sad fat high school girl just exist in this non-stop feedback loop of being sad because she's fat, fat because she's sad, and sad because boys don't want to fuck her, and boys don't want to fuck her because she's fat, and all she wants to do is go to the school dance with Spinner. Anyway, this is the sad, fat high school girl. Now, it is brutal to watch this, and I wish, like, it wasn't so true to fact, So I've been fat probably since I was a baby. I've never had, like, a skinny time and I, like, gained weight. And then, like, I was just like, oh, now I'm fat. I've always been fat. So I was the fat girl in middle school and I was the fat girl in high school. And I was definitely the sad, fat high school girl. Because you are just left out of so many things and you're the butt of so many jokes. And honestly, high school kids are kind of cruel, High school was a little rough sometimes, and I still think I made it out and did okay, and like my experience was one of the lucky ones, which is not okay, but you get so used to just realizing that a lot of narratives that are written for teen girls, quote-unquote, just aren't for you, and you only get to see and be seen by this trope of the sad, fat high school girl it really gets ingrained in you. And like we talked about on the last episode, um, the fat best friend, which these two things are very, very tightly interwoven, the fat best friend and the sad, fat high school girl. Because you really, if you're the sad, fat high school girl, you're also the fat best friend. Like it's always like not one without the other, you know? Um, But it gets so ingrained and you're just so sad because you're not living what you think should be like your top best high school life. That you are depressed, you are sad, you are being bullied, you are feeling all these things, but no one ever listens to you because, A, no one listens to teenage girls. We need to take a second and listen to teenage girls. They get just shit on by everything. They're not allowed to like things, they're not allowed to have opinions, they're not allowed to be smart, they're not allowed to be vivacious because if they're any of these things, Like old men get mad, and also we as a society get mad, but also no one definitely listens to a fat high school girl. And it is so frustrating to see desirability politics play out in children. Because as much as I am a supporter of like teens are autonomous beings, they're independent, we need to support them, they're all these things, they're still kids, you know? Like they're not adults yet. And it's just really fucking terrible to watch desirability politics play out in kids, in youth, and watch how it affects their lives. How messed up is that? That our own ideas of desirability and what makes someone valuable in life is affecting teens. It's affecting youth. It trickles down to the literal backbones of our society. These kids that are coming up are going to be the ones that are going to be taken over for us. They're going to be the ones that are supposed to be rewriting stories, but they're still being fed the same damn shit that we were fed when we were teenagers, that our parents were fed we're teenagers. And you know what? I'm damn done with it. And I can only imagine sad fat girls in high school now are damn done with it. And with that, I want to jump in. To talking about the Duff, the designated ugly fat friend, and Degrassi. Before we really jump into talking about how this trope is represented in the media, we're gonna take a little break and we're gonna see what Rebel Wilson's up to. All right, welcome to Where in the World is Rebel Wilson? So, I just took a quick scan of Rebel's Insti, seeing what our girl is up to. She's looking great. She's looking fantastic. She doesn't look like her Vogue cover in real life. Thank the damn Lord. Because this girl is a bombshell. But Rebel seems to be making some sort of musical with Simon Cowell. So, if you follow Rebel on Instagram, which you really should... She is now like the mascot for this podcast and is not even aware of it. I'm not paying her for sponsorship because I don't have that money and she probably wouldn't sponsor us, but she is making some sort of weird musical, Simon Cowell, and she has this picture that I will link, um, I'll link on the page, but it is this wild picture of Rebel... Wilson, and Mel B, a.k.a. Scary Spice, doing, like, a human sandwich with Howie Mandel in the middle? Now, if you told me, like, these three people were ever in the same room i'd be like okay what lies but if you told me they're like in the same picture posing like so close and friendly i would just be like this is bizarro land why are these three people together what are they doing together like mel b and rebel wilson yeah i can see like why they'd like maybe be in the same room but why is howie mandel there like this is not deal or no deal no deal how we get away from these women it's weird i don't like it but um, she looks like she's happy. It has 51,000 likes. And it's really funny because in the photo, it's like I said, the three weirdest people together on earth, Rebel, Howie, and Mel. Rebel, com- or Rebel captions this photo, Love, Simon, bracket Cowell, bracket, X. So Love, Simon, Cowell. Rub's my girl, my queen. Um, Simon Cowell's not in this picture. That's Howie Mandel. What? Anyway, Rebel's making a weird musical with Simon Cowell, and I guess somehow Howie Mandel is involved. And that is what's up with Rebel Wilson. Alright, welcome back from our Rebel Wilson check-in. Now, let's really jump into this eh, heavy content, if you will, and talk about The Duff, a.k.a. the designated ugly fat friend. So, The Duff is a teen comedy that came out in 2015. It was directed by someone named Ari Sandel, written by someone named Josh A. Kagan. Now, let's take a moment and realize it was written by a man... It's based on the novel by the same name written by somebody named Cody Keplinger. I've never read the novel, but anyway. The film stars Mae Whitman, Bella Thorne, who I guess teens love or something. I don't know. I need to listen to teens, I guess, like I said. And it's all about the main character, Bianca. Um, She's in her senior year of high school in Atlanta. And it's all about Bianca and her two best friends, Jess and Casey. So Jess and Casey are like shown as being like more popular and more attractive and more sought after than Bianca who's like totally like this like really beautiful girl that just like happens to dress like a little more grungy than her two friends like she wears a lot of plaid and like jeans and like overalls and whatnot like also my style, but she is what she calls the designated ugly fat friend of her group, of her and her two friends, Jess and Casey. And so the designated ugly fat friend is the ugliest girl in a group, and that that is, like, exploited by people to get to the more attractive popular friends. And in this case, it's all about how Bianca just gets attention from boys so the boys can get to her two better looking, more popular friends. And she has this theory about the duff and all this stuff. Um, yada, 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 stuff happens, et cetera, et cetera, plot, plot, plot. But her like theory of being the duff of her two friends is confirmed by this like dinky guy named Wesley who's like, yeah, you're the duff. And it like destroys her. And she, like, gets super sad about it because all Bianca wants is to be hot like her friends and be popular and, like, date, like, the really cool guy, uh, a.k.a. Wesley. So, as, like, things go on, again, more plot, 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 yada, 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 Wesley and Bianca become friends, and she's like, I'll tutor you in science, and he's like, I'll tutor you in how to become bangable, and she's change your social standing, and go on a date with this guy named Toby. And so this is all happening. I'm not going to spoil it for you if you want to watch the Duff. But in the end, um, she ends up going out with, like, her high school crush, Toby, who ends up being like, oh, JK, I just, like, wanted to make out with you so I could also just, like, try and make out with your two hot friends because you're a Duff what? Okay, what? What is this movie? Like, I didn't hate it. I kind of liked it, like, near the end. I was like, oh, I'm, like, kind of charmed by this, like, teenness." But also, like, what is the message? Because at the end, Bianca becomes more confident in herself, and her entire thesis is like, oh... I'm a Duff, but everyone's a Duff. And if everyone's a Duff, the Duff doesn't exist. Like, this isn't Mean Girls. The limit does exist. Like, w- no, that's not how it works. You can't just say everyone's the designated ugly fat friend and we're all just using each other to get to hotter people. That is so unbelievably terrible. But Bianca, for like half this movie, before she comes to her like Duff hypothesis, proven thesis, PhD defense that she does at her prom the entire time she spends it as just like this sad girl who isn't fat like to be very real she's like not fat at all but she's just like a very like thin conventionally attractive girl who they just like put some baggy clothes on and was like oh yeah she's the designated ugly fat friend she's not blonde and she's like frumpy yeah there she is And she's just, like, your literal sad trope. And her entire story is centered on how she wants to be popular so boys will like her. I know, you must be so surprised that this was written by a man. We can just chalk this up to our friend, the patriarchy. But she's just that trope, and it's, again, reinforcing this idea about desirability that she wants to be seen by her classmates, she wants to date and do all these things that teens are supposed to do, feels like she can't because she feels like she's the designated ugly fat friend, quote unquote, the dove. And her existence is only there to support her more popular, quote unquote, hotter friends. It is so frustrating Because, A, this girl isn't fat or ugly, and those two things aren't synonymous, right? Like, your designated ugly fat friend doesn't exist because fat people aren't automatically just ugly. And it's, again, like, reinforcing this idea of, like, desirability and fuckability in literal youth. Like, what? okay. And it's like this whole other layer too, where when you are the fat friend, when you are the FBF, you do feel like people only pay you attention to try and like, frick your hotter friends, which is something I talked about in the first episode. And I'll just like touch on again now is that for a lot of it, you just like feel like either you're a cock block to your hotter friends, or you're just automatically like your hot friends, like wingman. Which isn't true because there's no such thing as hotter friends. Like, you're out with your friends, you're all hot, you're all beautiful, you're all great. And also, your enjoyment in life shouldn't rest on if someone wants to bone you or not, you know? But it's so frustrating that we're just being shown this again and again and again in the media that women's only purpose is to, like, date or frick dudes and also when you're the fat girl, your only purpose is to lose weight so dudes don't want to frick you, but if you don't lose weight and you're still fat or you're still the designated duff, I guess, your purpose is to just facilitate men getting to bone your, like, quote, like, your whatever, like, hotter friends. The patriarchy yeah, it's just like, what? Why is this a thing? Why is this a thing we're teaching teenagers? This is a comedy for teenagers, and we are just throwing desirability politics at their faces. Why? And even with, like, the ending, when it's supposed to be, like, this touching, like, revolutionary thing, where it's like, oh, no, everyone's a duff to someone, that's a fucked message to give someone. Like, no, you're not a duff to someone and Like, you don't have a duff. Like, that's not how the world works. Ugh. Anyway. The Duff is, like, a little bit of a hot mess. Watch it. It's not the most terrible movie. Like, it is definitely, like, enjoyable to watch in terms of, like, oh, I'm just watching trash. And Mae Whitman is, like, very like, a very good actor, and, like, she's so great to see, and she's, like, really funny, but this, like, when you really boil down the messaging of this movie, it is so frustrating, and I think really ties into my next example, which is Degrassi, The Next Generation. All right. Growing up, I live and breathed Degrassi, It was my lifeblood. I loved it. And I still love it. I'm re-watching it on Amazon Prime Video and just, like, living my best life. But if you watched Degrassi growing up, for the first four seasons, there was this character named Terry. And Terry was, like, the designated fat girl of the series. Terry... Ugh, it's just so the sad, fat high school girl trope that it's actually almost painful. Like, if there was a checkbox for this, she would check everything. So, Terry is, like, literally not fat at all, but she's just, like, a slightly more chubbier girl in school, and she's friends with, like, a fairly, like, medium popular girl named Ashley, and... Paige, Paige, enemy of the podcast. If you watch Degrassi, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so a lot of things that happen for Terry all revolve around her body. So she's a very, very self-conscious girl. And in the first season, she's she's getting attention from Spinner, who was my preteen crush. I love Spinner, even though he's kind of a dink. She's getting attention from Spinner. Um, but Paige, enemy of the podcast, liked Spinner and could not deal with the fact that Spinner was showing Terry attention and wanted to like, obviously date her. He was like, Hey Terry, uh, can I borrow your geography notes? And Terry's like, yeah, Spinner, of course you can borrow my geography notes. Um, but she's also like very clueless. And then Ashley, member, medium popular girl Ashley, Terry's best friend, came up to Terry and was like, Hey, Terry, I think Spinner's into you. He took your geology notes or your geography notes or whatever fucking notes you have. And she's like, Oh, what? He took my notes. And Paige is like, What? Spinner took your notes? And that's how she became enemy of the podcast. Actually, that's not, we're going to get into that. And so they're like, There's this whole thing where Paige is like mad that this, like, This girl who is marginally chubbier than her is getting attention from this literal doof of a boy. Let's fast forward into the episode that made Paige enemy of the podcast. So, Terry is just like the sad fat girl trope personified. Like, the main point of this episode um, in the first season is that there's the first, like, nighttime high school dance that Degrassi is having, and it, like, apparently hasn't been allowed in a long time. Probably because, like, the first Degrassi was such a fucking train wreck, they're like, no, we need to reel these teens in. Um, And then I guess they forgot about it in The Next Generation, even though Spike and Snake are there. Anyway... So, they're having, like, the dance, and Spinner is talking to Terry, and he's like, Hey, uh, you going to the dance? Um, I don't know why he sounds like that. And Terry's like, Yeah, I'm going. No, actually, I'm not going to the dance. My dad said I have to do chores. And Spinner's like, What? You have to do chores? That sounds fake. And then it was fake because Terry, previous to this, had told her dad she can't go to the dance because, quote, unquote, no boys want to dance with fat cows. Terry, my girl, you're breaking my heart because that was also me when I was in middle school too. I didn't want to go to anything because I thought boys wouldn't want to dance with fat cows. Turns out this fat cow didn't want to dance with greasy ass like teenage boys. But anyway, that's a different topic. So she's like super self-conscious and Ashley's like, what? You're not going to the dance, Terry? and terry's like my dad my dad said i can't and ashley's like that is some bullshit terry we're gonna give you a makeover because you're gonna go to the dance and you're gonna get your dance on with the spinner Paige, enemy of the podcast overhears this and is like you're giving terry a makeover um i'm gonna help i need to be there for that and this is like literally the music changes and you know like shit's about to get real bad So, like, they give Terry a makeover, yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera. She's feeling good. She's feeling fine. Ashley's like, hey, I'll see you at the dance. And Paige is like, yeah, me and Terry will meet you there. And Terry's like, oh, I'm really nervous. Like, I really want to dance with Spinner. I'm just so nervous because I'm fat and I'm I'm sad he's going to know I'm fat. And Paige is like, you know what will help? Getting drunk. And she gets terry teen girl wasted they go to the dance and terry's just very obviously drunk and like kind of like embarrasses herself in front of spinner and like well she's like puking in the bathroom because she's so drunk Paige page swoops in and like starts like dating spinner and this is something we show teen girls this is a girl's plot. Like, this was Terry's plot in Degrassi. And every time she comes on screen, it's all about how she's fat. It's never, like, Terry does something amazing. Like, Terry literally goes, like, season one, dealing with the fact that she has feelings for Spencer, and she's fat. Season two, she becomes, like, a plus-size model. Season three, I forget what Terry does in season three, but I feel like it's not good. In season four, Terry gets her first boyfriend, which is Rick. Which, if you know your Degrassi trivia, Rick is, like, the worst human on Earth, and he's the one that shot Drake and paralyzed Drake in the series. Um, Yeah, Rick is that guy. And... He ends up being Terry's first boyfriend, who's also super, super abusive to her. And, like, at one point puts her in a coma. And she, like, has to get surgery and because she has, like, a blood clot and complications from it. And then she just disappears from the entire series. And I was reading today on the fan wiki that apparently she had to go to a private school from this because she had slight brain damage and was so scared of Rick. This is Terry's plot in the show. But while she's dating Rick, she's just so... Unbelievably happy to have a boyfriend and to have that sort of like romantic attention, which is something you crave as a teen because it's what you're told is normal. That she forgives him again and again and again and again for being physically abusive, for being emotionally abusive hurting her in so many ways and she ignores that her friends are concerned about her and if this isn't some sad fat high school girl shit I don't know what is but you also want to know what else that this isn't just sad fat high school girl shit this is just some real ass fat girl shit and this is what happens when we just base desirability on people's bodies on if they're fuckable or not fuckable and like literally make dating the hunger games that like Fat girls are just told that you're supposed to just want to date whatever comes your way, and that whatever man shows you attention is great. You should just be happy. You should be flattered. You should be thankful that you're getting attention um, from the patriarchy. (laughs) And this is how Terry dates Rick and gets put in a coma. This is how countless fat girls are dating shitty, shitty, shitty dudes that don't treat them as like the queens they are is because we are fed this line again and again and again that any romantic attention you get, and this isn't just for straight girls too, this is for queer people too, for fat queer people, that any attention you should get or any romantic attention you get, you should be thankful and you should be flattered even if these people are literal goddamn demons. Like, this trope, is played out in TV and movies for teenagers and it's tired and it's exhausting and it's hurtful, but this trope also is in real life because this is what you're told you are supposed to do when you're fat. You don't have a choice. You don't deserve good things because of your body. You don't deserve to be respected and upheld and loved and desired because of your body. And this idea, this desirability idea is trickling down into teen movies because these teen movies and TV shows are being created by adult men who think this is still something that we need to recreate and retell. And it's so unbelievably fucked up that like, I can't even wrap my damn head around it. And this is something that I thought for so long, too, which is, like, I make jokes about my dating life all the time and the people I've, like, loved and had feelings for. Some of them have been absolute gems of people of humans. The people I dated have been shit because I've lived in that feedback loop for so long of, I'm fat, so I just need to date whatever comes my way. And it wasn't until recently that I started being like, you know what, that's some actual bullshit. A, I don't need to date because I have some real cool friends that are like supportive and amazing and love me and I love them so deeply and I'm just like too damn busy for romantic love and also what is romantic love? Why don't we focus on platonic love? (sighs) Anyway, in the normative parameters of romantic love and desirability, the fat teen girl gets handed absolute shit. And that is just a small microcosm of the shit fat girls are handed all the time when they're told about their desirability, when we are told what we're worth and who should love us and who will love us. So Terry in Degrassi, even though she is like Literally the most, like, brutal (laughs) depiction of a sad, fat high school girl, like, literally just, like, like, ticks every checkbox you could imagine in this trope, her story isn't so different than other girls' stories, isn't so different from my story, and that's not okay. (sighs) Anyway, we're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about (sighs) Insatiable. All right. Welcome to terrible and probably fatal diet tip of the day. Brought to you by Women's World Magazine. And so... The diet tip we're going to really quickly talk about today is um, a coffee cleanse for weight loss. Yep, you heard that. You heard that right. A coffee cleanse for weight loss. Now, you might not know this about me. But I drink a lot of coffee. I live off coffee. Me and Caffeine, we are like the best of friends. I drink so much coffee that sometimes like I just don't drink water. And Lindsay's like, hey, Sam, that's really not good for you. And I'm like, you know what, YOLO, I'm going to just drink another cup of coffee and you can see me on the other side. I drink a lot of coffee and I have not lost weight from coffee, let me tell you. And that's okay because A, who the fuck cares about weight loss? B, you should drink coffee because you want to drink coffee, not because you're going to go on a cleanse. But anyway, this like shady ass doctor named Bob, Bob Arnall, of course it's a man, um began experimenting with ways to reap coffee's maximum benefits. And he goes on to talk about how somehow coffee will cure, like, type 2 diabetes and eczema. Um, And then he says that it has to do with the phenols in coffee. Don't know what a phenol is. I'm not a scientist. Ask a scientist. This is not your podcast for science. Anyway, he says that dark roasting coffee destroys phenols and that you need to drink light roast to get the maximum benefit from coffee. This fucker, Dr. Fucker M.D., Calls light roasts lean roasts because those are the ones that will help you lose weight. I can't make this shit up. Like I really, really wish I could. Um, but just remember that you need to drink lean roast coffee and you can't put sugar or cream in it because that's just like Not what you do when you're on your coffee cleanse, obviously. So apparently it like somehow phenols in your lean roast coffee, help you lose weight by promoting a faster metabolism, by burning fat for it faster, which like literally makes no sense and like blocks calories. What kind of shit is this? Literally, literally. Like, I get so mad and, like, I wanted to do this, like, diet tip of the day bit because I just wanted to point out how dangerous and ridiculous these diet tips are. Like, this is funny because, like, okay, like, you're just promoting that women drink, like, 95 cups of lean roast coffee a day for them to lose weight. That's fucked up and dangerous. Also, what? Like, what? I don't know. Apparently, Dr. Bob, I'm supported by the coffee industry, M.D. would like to say that you just need to drink a shit ton of coffee and you'll just, like, shed the pounds because magic phenols will block the calories. (sighs) I don't have to be a science podcast to tell you that that is a venti cup of bullshit, all right? Anyway, this has been your super quick but definitely fatal, very deadly diet tip of the day brought to you by Women's World Magazine. All right, so that was the horrible and potentially fatal diet tip of the day brought to you by Women's World Magazine. You're probably wondering who wrote all those amazing segment jingles. And you're like, damn, who is this person? Well, that is Lindsay Stewart, the super special guest from last episode. She wrote all the segment jingles and the theme song. If you didn't listen to last episode, then you missed the fact that she's a super talented musician and she's in two bands and, You can head back over to the first episode page and click on the links I provided for Birdo and Maneater and throw them some money, download their demos, do all that good stuff. Okay, so we are getting to the end of today's episode, but before I wrap this baby up and call it a day, we have to talk about Insatiable. Now, you're probably like, Sam... Why are we talking about this already? Like, I thought maybe you would, like, bury the lead a bit. Something about giving the milk away and a cow on a farm and free. I don't know. Well, I can't not talk about this. Like, literal train wreck of a TV show. I've watched three episodes, and I will not watch any more because getting through three episodes took me almost two weeks. It's so fucking bad. So, for those of you who don't know, Insatiable is a new Netflix, like, like, um, comedy or satire, quote-unquote, Alyssa Milano, but it's about this girl who is, like, fat and frumpy and sad and bullied in high school who gets into a life-altering accident That accident is that um, she gets into a fight with a man over a chocolate bar and he punches her in the jaw and breaks her jaw. So she has to get it wired shut and so she can only go on a liquids-only diet. And so, like, she ends up losing all this weight and when she returns back to school, she's just, like, hot, quote-unquote, you know what I mean? Like, she is thin. Like, that's what it is. And the actress, I cannot remember her name, but the actress is in a fat suit for the first parts where she's, um, fat in the episode. Um, and the actress's, or the character's name is literally Patty, as in, like, Fatty Patty. Like, I'm not even making this shit up. So this is the show. She, like, loses all this weight, comes back to school, and she's, like, hot or whatever, and, like, starts accidentally committing crimes against people who are rude to her. It's super bizarre and there's like this whole side plot with like her becoming a beauty queen and like her um pageant coach being like wrongfully accused of like pedophilia. It's super fucked up. Like everything is treated as a joke, like even like the jokes about her pageant coach like inappropriately touching underage girls it's super fucked up anyway the show is such a hot mess from beginning to end like I don't even know where to begin and there's been like a lot of really great things written about it so far um Roxane Gay wrote a super cool and amazing article about it you should check out I'll link it on the page but like The biggest thing about Insatiable, and I'm sure it's going to come up again and again and again throughout this podcast, but the biggest thing kind of in the context of the sad, fat high school girl is that her, Patty's life has changed when she loses all this weight and becomes like hot, again, quote, unquote, like wink, wink, asterisk, but like she loses all this weight and becomes like skinny and like can wear all these, like, super cool clothes and, like, boys are noticing her and all this, like, jazz. And that's when she's, like, stops becoming a sad fat girl and, like, gains all this, like, confidence. Even though, like, in the first few episodes that I've watched, she's, like, kind of self-conscious because, like, she's, like, still inwardly thinks she's a fat girl, but she's, like, very conscious that she's, like, her body's changed. And there's, like, all this side plot like about how she's like really scared of binge eating and gaining all the weight back like i just don't even know like how is this i would rather watch a million hours of terry from degrassi just like getting literally the worst end of the stick than have to watch a full season of insatiable with like fatty patty and the way it's being treated like the messaging is so bad and a lot the show creator um the actors everyone's defending it saying like oh no this is actually satire a this was written by a thin white woman b satire is supposed to be funny and this is literally just a pile of shit and like two teen girls who are watching this especially like fat teen girls what are they getting out of it like yeah it's supposed to be funny ha 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 but like at the end of the day the main character was showing like really just like greasy hair unflattering clothes like no makeup in a fat suit and when she loses the weight she comes back to school and she's like a perfect hourglass like Long blown out hair, perfect makeup, and like boys are falling over her. That messaging is so damn straightforward and clear that it actually like is so unbelievably heavy handed. Like they didn't even try. And I think like some of it is supposed to be like um, satire on pageant culture and satire on like the trope we're talking about for this episode but it just fails on so many levels. Like there was literal money spent on this. And it's just the same garbage we have been fed our entire lives, uh, the same garbage our parents have been fed and our grandparents have been fed that fat, bad and ugly, thin, good and desirable. Like that's the dichotomy that we are constantly fighting with. And like I've been saying again and again and again, this episode, it's so unbelievably fucked up that we're starting this in kids. Like we, no one has a chance, especially girls, like young girls just don't have a damn chance in this world because every type of media we are fed from like even being in our preteen's to being a teenager is all centered around our looks, our body, and our desirability to men. Not only is this isolating and terrible for fat girls, but this is isolating and terrible for queer youth, for trans youth, and these things, these storylines are still being hashed out over and over and over again. Like, Insatiable's from 2018, The Duff is from 2015, and that Degrassi, those Degrassi episodes I was talking about were from, like, 2000. And that's, like, just such a small microcosm of this trope that, like, there's still so much more out there that, um, that reinforces this. The episode for Insatiable that I really want to just touch on really quickly is the second episode called Skinny is Magic. And it's all centered on Patty realizing that her body has changed and she's more desirable now. And these weird coincidental things start happening. So she wanted to seek revenge on the guy who broke her jaw. And so she like baited him to a hotel and there's a fire and he got injured. And then um, Patty was, like, freaking out that, like, she did this. It was her fault um, that she was responsible. And then so she goes to the hospital and, like, ends up confronting the guy. And he dies in the hospital after she says, like, I wish you were dead or something like that. And then she says to her best friend, she's like, oh, my God, maybe skinny is magic. And I'm just like okay, whatever, you want to say this shit is satire, but this is what you're saying. This is the message you're putting out. And most satire is heavy-handed, but the messaging isn't so obscured. I find the messaging insatiable to try and be subversive, but it's actually just a reinforcement of all this shit we've talked about this episode and why just why do we have this again why do we literally have an episode called skinny is magic why do we have the main character who lost all this weight and is now thin and getting what she wants say skinny is magic like it's so unbelievably in your face and it's so unbelievably ingrained in fat phobia that like it's astounding. It's actually like, it's astounding. And like, I can take a joke, like I get satire. I can like, there are sometimes fat jokes I laugh at too, but that's when they're made by a fat person. It's like the whole idea of like punching up and punching down and the fact that this series is written by a thin lady, the fact that all the actors in it are thin, the fact that it is just the same shit, different pile. I'm just like, done. Like, you had the sad fat girl in high school trope just like played out. And I think actually one of the most vile and violent ways I've ever seen. And it's so ridiculous that Patty is being seen as kind of this like superhero kind of vigilante femme fatale character after she lost the weight because if we boil this down this is saying if you're fat if you're a fat girl in high school you're immediately undesirable and ugly and everyone will make fun of you it's saying that you are just going to be bullied no matter what It's saying that your life doesn't begin until you get skinny. That is something that has haunted me my entire life, and I think haunts most fat people their entire life. That you are told again and again and again that your life will start once you lose weight. I am grappling with this as an adult And I've been grappling with this since I was 13 when I began to notice like dating and like wanting to and wanting to be desirable and all this jazz that I always thought that my life wasn't actually started, that I wasn't living my life because I was fat and I need to be skinny to live my life. And it's very, very upsetting to me. That we have this new show that's come out in 28 fucking teen that is still telling fat girls this. It's saying that you don't have a life to live until you're thin and fuckable. I don't want to literally live in a world where that's a message, that's the messaging we're still giving young girls. <sighs> I'm sure we're going to come back to Insatiable again and again and again on this podcast. There is nothing more that I want in the world than to just drag out the hate of this show as long as I humanly can. Now, if you're a fat person, key words here. If you are a fat person and you watched insatiable and you disagree with me and you think it's like a good satire, please let me know. I'm always up for having my mind changed despite what the stars say, i.e. me being a Capricorn double Taurus, which literally says stubborn to my inner core. I do like having my mind changed about things. I do like a good healthy debate. But I don't want to have the debate on if the show was good with a thin person. So if you're a fat person, you watch the entirety of Insatiable, and you're like, you know what, Sam, you need to finish the season, and then you need to look at it through this lens, and it's a little bit better, I will do that. I will definitely do that, and I'll give it another try, if you can convince me. Because right now, I would actually rather peel my toenails off than watch another episode of that literal vomit pile okay rant over okay so that's all i have for you for this episode of heavy content i really hope you enjoyed me talking on and on and on and on on about the trope of the sad fat girl in high school um i recommend watching the duff i recommend always watching degrassi And I recommend never watching Insatiable unless you're going to turn it into a drinking game. Um, But besides that, that's, um, yeah, that's my review on that one. But some takeaways I think I want um, folks to have who've listened to this episode is that, one, if you are a fat girl in high school, your life isn't going to begin when you're skinny your life is happening right now and I wish I could go back to high school with the confidence and knowledge I have now and just live it up like you're never going to have the ideal body you're never going to be the picture that you have in the back of your head when you're a fat girl and I know y'all have it because I have it I had it I Sometimes I still think about it, but it's just never going to happen, and there's no point in sitting around and waiting for it to happen. The second takeaway I want um, you to have, and this is for everyone who's listened, is that we collectively need to stop deciding an individual's worth on their desirability, which means that if someone walks in, to a room or to your place of work or whatever if someone walks in and you don't want to bone them that doesn't mean you treat them like shit and that doesn't mean that when someone walks in that you do want to bone you treat them better than anyone else all right can we all agree on that that maybe we need to stop focusing on people's bone ability and start focusing on how great people are and that we only treat people who are literal jerks like the jerks they are. Sound good? Cool. And last but not least, the third takeaway I think I want people to have with this episode is that coffee cleanses don't work. Rebel Wilson is living her best life, and Terry from Degrassi deserved more. Thank you for listening, and I will be back at you again on September 19th. This time, I will be talking about the Fatsuit Flashback trope, everyone's favorite. I may or may not have a super special guest. Pay attention to the social media to see if I make an announcement, if someone's going to join me in my super cool at-home studio aka my bedroom if you want to keep up to date with heavy content you can follow the podcast on Instagram at heavy content cast you can follow on Twitter at heavy podcast and on Facebook at heavy content um yeah see you on the 19th